Praise be to God. Well, thanks so much to uh, Marina for leading us there in, in sung worship. And um, thanks so much, Bree, for reading for us. Um, my name's Frank, if I don't know you. Know you I'm, um, oh, yeah, sorry, please be seated. Uh, I, always forget, I always forget to say that. Um, yeah, if I don't know you, my name's Frank. Um, I'm an elder here at Hallows. Um, it's great to see you if you're new with us. And uh, also, always great to see you if you're an old face here as well. Um, one of the consistent themes that you kind of see running through the whole Bible is opposition to God and to people doing God's work. It's a strong theme in the Old Testament where the Israelites are constantly living with the threat of war. They're fighting for their own survival. They're fending off attacks from every side. And then when you get to the New Testament, it continues. So if you read the Gospels, Jesus was constantly opposed by the religious leaders who, t- who attempted to silence him, intimidate him, and then they plotted a way to kill him. In the book of Acts, documenting the explosive growth of the early church, we also see opposition. We, s- we see the first Christian martyr in Acts chapter 7, as Stephen is stoned to death for preaching the gospel. And then we see in Paul's life, he was constantly being harassed. There were constantly kind of threats on, on his life as well. And most historians believe that Paul was also also martyred as well. And sadly, this level of persecution is actually a daily reality for a lot of Christians today. So for example, in, in Somalia, Islamic militants have increasingly focused on identifying and eliminating Christian leaders. And even the suspicion of conversion from Islam to Christianity can lead to life-threatening danger. Just because we live in a city, in a country, where violence towards the church and towards Christians is, is relatively rare, we would be foolish to think that the only battles Christians face are physical in nature. The Bible also teaches us to think about opposition not only in physical terms, but in spiritual terms. And perhaps the best known passage for that in the New Testament is Ephesians chapter 6, which is well, well worth a read all the way through. Um, and this chapter, Ephesians 6, talks about putting on the full armour of God. And it says this, because our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. When we start talking about spiritual warfare, spiritual attack, we can fall into two camps. On one side, we can just completely ignore it. Maybe because it's too scary, too, you know, too much for us to think of, or there might be an assumption that to get overly focused on spiritual warfare leads us into quite a lot of theological um, rabbit warrens and some quite dangerous places. So that's, that's the one side. And then on the other side, you've got people who almost kind of over, overly focus on spiritual warfare. So if you stub your toe or you can't find a, a parking space at QFC, you see it as an attack from Satan. Like every single thing in life that isn't, doesn't go your way, you attribute to spiritual warfare. And that, as we'll see in this chapter, both of those approaches are actually unbiblical. But this chapter gives us a third way, a third way to think about spiritual warfare and opposition. And that's what we're going to unpack as we study Nehemiah chapter 4 together. 
And before, before we do that, before we dive in, um, I'd love to pray for us. God, thank you so much for this new day. Thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. And um, I thank you so much for all that we've um, sung and heard so far um, that's just drawn our attention to you and drawn our hearts towards you. Uh, we thank you so much for uh, Nehemiah chapter 4. Thank you that there's so much in here for us, Lord. It's such a relevant chapter. And I pray, Lord God, that you'd um, give us ears to hear what you would say through it this morning. In your great name. Amen. So this passage kind of breaks into two sections, and it has like a hinge verse in the middle. So the first section is uh, verses 1 to 14, which talks about escalating opposition and then Nehemiah's response. Then you've got the hinge verse, which is verse 15, which is where God intervenes. And then the second half of the chapter, verses 16 to 23, is how the people continue in constant vigilance. So let's dive into the first section then, escalating opposition and Nehemiah's response. So if you were here last week for Nehemiah 3, it's like a feel-good passage. You know, people of all walks of life have been united together in the building of uh, the walls of Jerusalem. God's gracious hand is on them, they're on a roll. But then you get to chapter 4 and it's like a cold glass of water in the face. And it draws the reader's attention to the reality of opposition to the people of God. So in verse 1, we're reintroduced to this guy called Samba, who is a Samaritan official, an important guy, who we read about in chapter 2. And Samba, along with some other prominent local leaders, had done their best to stop Nehemiah and the people from successfully rebuilding the walls. Now, so far, all they've done is, is kind of, it's basically just been kind of verbal attacks at this point. But as we'll see through this first section, it starts to kind of ramp up in intensity. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to call Nehemiah's bluff. They're trying to get him to call off this work and get all the people to just pack up and go home. In in verses 1 to 14, we see three rounds of opposition. And it kind of escalates really quickly from verbal threats to death threats from Sambala, Tobiah, and these other powerful men of Samaria. So let's look at the first round of opposition then. It's kind of like sneering and jeering. So Sambala, he fires off five quick questions which are supposed to undermine confidence. He says, what are these pathetic Jews doing? Will they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burned stones back to life? And then you get Tobiah, he, he chimes in, and I don't, know, I don't know about you, but when I read Tobias' um, kind of like sneering comment, like he just sounds like he's just got such an annoying voice, right? Even, even if a fox climbed up it, it would break down their stone wall, and like, everyone's laughing and joking. Like, I, I can't read it without thinking about him having a really annoying voice. So that's round one, all verbal. Round two, they plot violence. So if you look at verse, verses seven and eight, it says that Furious, Sambala, and Co. make a plan to fight against Jerusalem and throw it into confusion. And then round three, they threaten their lives. Verse 11, it says Sambala and Co. try to catch them off guard so that they can kill them. So things have really escalated fast. It's gone from verbal threats and kind of snarky jokes to full-blown death threats. 
And it shows just how much Sambala and his crew hate Nehemiah and his crew. They're willing to escalate things into a full-blown war if that's what it takes to stop the rebuild project from being completed. Commentators point out that Sambalat the Sumerian, Tobiah the Ammonite, the Arabs, and then the newest players in this whole story, the Ashdodites, were now threatening Jerusalem from the north, from the east, from the south, and from the west. Samaria in the north, Ammon in the east, Arabia in the south, Ashdod in the west. So these death threats, they're coming from all sides. Escalating opposition from all sides. And just like we have three rounds of opposition in verses 1 to 14, we've also got three responses to that opposition. So the first, the first response is prayer and perseverance. It says, so we, dot, 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 in verse 6. And then you've got the second response, which is prayer and protection. So we, dot, 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 in verse 9. And then the third response is protection and consolation. So I, dot, 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 in verse 14. So the first response, we see that Nehemiah's kind of knee-jerk reaction to the opposition is prayer. He asks God to listen to his cry, for we are despised. And then he prays a prayer which at first glance can make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. Particularly when he asks God not to cover their guilt or erase their sin. This doesn't strike us as a very godly response, particularly in light of God's grace and mercy, which which is repeatedly highlighted in the Old Testament. It sounds like Nehemiah is saying, save me and then get them. Which is a sharp contrast to the forgive them for they do not know what they are doing prayer from Jesus aimed at the ones who were crucifying him. So what are we to do with Nehemiah's prayer? Well, commentators point out that Nehemiah's prayer sounds very similar to some of the so-called imprecatory psalms in which the psalmist not only asks to be saved but invites judgment on their enemies. And although Nehemiah's prayer, it belongs in the Old Covenant, and we, as those in the New Covenant, look to Jesus for a better way to pray for our enemies, Nehemiah still teaches us a valuable lesson in the fight against evil. And that lesson is that we are to leave judgment and retribution in the hands of God. You see, Nehemiah never went on the offensive against Sambala and his fellow aggressors. He knew that judgment was best left to God. So after prayer, Nehemiah and the people, they persevere in the project, undeterred by the opposition. And we read in verse 6 that they reach an important milestone. The walls are now halfway to being finished. They reached this milestone because they had the will to keep working. The perseverance of Nehemiah's team It flowed out of their utter confidence that God was with them, that God was for them, that God was in their ranks. And this teaches us that if we're going to be people that build God's church over the long haul, if we're going to be here 5, 10, 15, 20 years, we've got to have the will to keep working, and that must be grounded in our belief that we are obeying God's call and that he is with us. 
As I've mentioned numerous times so far in this series, people can do incredible things when they genuinely sense that God has called them and that God is with them. Nehemiah told the people about his faith that God's gracious hand was was upon him. And it was that powerful truth that galvanized the people, turning them from a diverse group into a united team that we saw in chapter 3. But if chapter 3 was all smiles and high fives, chapter 4 is where the rubber hits the road. It's one thing to be excited about a project when the adrenaline is pumping, when everything is going well. But what about when things take a turn for the worse? Nehemiah had no way of knowing for certain how his building team would hold up under pressure. Would they persevere, steadfast and resolute? Or would they put their own safety above the project and run for cover? Let's look at the second response in verse 9. Nehemiah's response to the escalating threats again is prayer first and action second. So prayer meetings always came before strategy meetings under Nehemiah's leadership. And when they finished their prayer meeting, Nehemiah wisely increases the protection of the city. Day and night, Nehemiah ensures that the walls are being guarded. But enemies on the outside represented only half of the battle for Nehemiah. In verse 10, Nehemiah directly quotes a saying that had clearly been spreading like wildfire through the ranks. And this is the saying. In Judah it was said, the strength of the labourer fails, since there is so much rubble, we will never be able to rebuild the wall. So I want you to imagine for a second that you're Nehemiah. You're the project manager of this wall rebuild. Things have gotten off to a great start. The walls are already at half the height. You've successfully rebuffed the attacks from the outside, but now 